Hey everyone, this is Arnold with Weekly Welcome. On today's show, we have Keegan Fong from Woon here in Los Angeles, heavily inspired by Keegan's upbringing and his mom's Cantonese-inspired cooking. It's a terrific gateway restaurant, as Keegan explains it, into the portal and depth that is Chinese cuisine. Um, terrific addition, I think, for the LA landscape. And personally, I'm a big fan of the restaurant. So really excited to showcase his story and how he got here today on the podcast. So without further ado, this is Keegan Fong with Woon. Born in uh, Pasadena. So, you know, I'm more or less LA born and raised. For me, you know, I was pretty much just in Pasadena area, like my entire life growing up. So specifically a town called San Marino. Um, it's probably most well known for like the Huntington Library. Like, uh, <laughs> It's really fancy. It's really uh, conservative, uh, upscale town. There was a huge kind of like uh, immigrant community starting to form there. Like a lot of like uh, affluent Chinese would start sending their kids to San Marino um, because it had a really good school system. So it was uh, it was pretty interesting. I mean, my mom, I, I, my mom was a single parent. My parents divorced, so you know, I grew up. My mom was like living in probably the smallest house in San Marino, but the reason why we wanted to be there was for the school. And, um, you know, it's very safe and a tiny little town. And um, we got to walk everywhere, skateboard everywhere, do everything and we'd be safe. You know, it was pretty, it was a pretty interesting upbringing because it was, like I said, like this huge kind of like influx of like Chinese. So it was almost like 50% like, Chinese immigrants and then 50 percent like old white conservative families, which are still there, like holding it down. How, but how does that work? <laughs> yeah, pretty interesting, right? I mean, I think there was a lot of uh not like necessarily animosity, but there's definitely like it was known that there were like these two kind of existing groups in San Marino. And I think now it's probably a majority Chinese, mm. um, majority Asian, but you know, it's pretty, it's, it was a pretty awesome place to grow up because I had a lot of groups of friends. I had a lot of Asian friends. I had a lot of white friends and we also bordered, um, you know, it technically is San Gabriel Valley. So we, we bordered San Gabriel, Alhambra, um, you know, um, Monterey Park, Rosemead. So we got, we got the full experience of, of food and culture, but was also like at the same time stuck in this tiny, like, suburban bubble um i like to call it kind of like straddled both fences of like hanging out with like my asian specifically chinese friends and then i had like my white group of friends and you know whenever i hung out with my white group of friends was kind of like where i started introducing them to like chinese food and and my mom's cooking and um and that's kind of how my mom got the the name mama fong you know, all my friends kind of like coming over and just being like taken care of by my mom, no matter what, like they came over drunk, they came over stoned and my mom would just like make them food and make them meals. And yeah. And everyone just called her mama. Um, my sister was four years older, so she kind of led the way for me and she, she was pretty popular in high school. So she had a lot of friends and they would all be over and it'd be my friends, her friends, and everyone would just like be under mama fong's roof and she'd take care of everyone um we'd have like shabu shabu like hot pot nights 
where like my sister's friends would be over and my friends would be over and we'd just have like full hot pot parties. So it was definitely like a open door Mm. um, type of thing growing up in my house. You know, when I moved to college my freshman year, I realized like, wow, like the rest of the world is not LA. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) I, I thought my mom's cooking was like normal. I thought every mom's, you know, everyone's mom more or less cooked well. And then I also thought that like the San Gabriel Valley was the same, like accessible everywhere Mm. else in the world. Mm. So, you know, I took it for granted growing up, just, you know, going down the street to get pho or going down the street to get dumplings or whatever. And then once I was in San Diego, I was like, oh, like this doesn't exist. I remember my first weekend leaving for college, I drove back home. <laughs> like, Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I like drove back up to LA. I was like, I need food. <laughs> I need good food. That was an adjustment for sure. You know, but I found, you know, I slowly found, I, I had to assimilate kind of, and then I, oh, yeah, towards I the, t- towards the end of it, I slowly found a way to, to, to work, um, to, to seek out like good food and, you know, I'd work it into my life one way or another. I'd go to pho like during lunch breaks between classes by myself uh, a lot. And then I later on, you know, I found friends that were like super into it too. And we'd venture out to Kearney Mesa, which is where like the only Chinese food exists in San Diego. <laughs> already seeing, already seeing the seed uh, being planted around this time. And just like growing up, it seems like food was such a big part of your experience and identity, huh? being in San Gabriel Valley, it's just kind of, it's part of, it's part of how you, how you, yeah. you live. Like it's so accessible. And obviously we'd know of you as Keegan from Woon Kitchen, right? What, what were you doing after college and, and what was your life right before, I guess the restaurant? Cause I understand you were marketing, right? I'd like to like get a poll of like what people did before they got into the restaurant industry. Right? It's so interesting. And- I know I'd like to see where I stand in that. Cause I feel like mine might be like on like the 90th percentile of like most random, like, <laughs> or, or would that be the, that would be opposite. Like one Don't percentile, yeah. one percentile of most random. I was really into like action sports. Like I was a skateboarder. I was mm. a big snowboarder and that it was just like my thing. But I also, you know, I had so many hobbies, but those for some reason i you know i i it stuck with me some for some reason like that in golf some way somehow in college i ended up like interning at um an action sports magazine called trans world and like back then that was like the most legendary magazine growing Uh up so it was like my dream job right so i interned there and they were in oceanside and you know that that having that internship led to like other internships in that same industry I was at an apparel brand called Insight, which was my favorite brand at the time, but they also dabbled in fashion and my sister was in fashion. So that was a big part of my life too. So like I kind of worked my way to end up in this, this really niche world of like skate slash surf slash fashion, like apparel specifically in that industry, in the board sport industry. And, and that's where I ended up after college. I worked at DC shoes for like a year because that was my last internship in college and it trans transitioned into a full-time job. And then that led to going back to insight, which was like my favorite brand at the time because they were very fashion based. And that's where I learned a lot of marketing and like 
having to wear a lot of hats with no budget, making things happen, like just grinding and like, oh, we have an event this like we threw we threw parties pretty much like art shows and parties constantly and our budget was always three hundred dollars so it was always it was a lot of like diy like i would buy all the picture frames i would frame them myself i would hang them all up i would find sponsors to help sponsor the events find bands that would play for pretty much exchange for clothes so it was very much like you know, very scrappy DIY type of mentality. And that's kind of where I learned um, to teach myself a lot of things like design programs and um, how to shoot photos. And, you know, it taught me a lot of things that I utilize now, which I'm sure we'll touch on later. Yeah, it was, it was a great way to learn um, how to wear a lot of hats and work really hard to do it and, and like get by and, you know, not work not work with a lot of money, uh, a lot of budgets. Okay. And, and just to backtrack a little bit, when you said, you, you know, starting your own business, what, what, what did that look like? Or did you not really know it at the time? I think in high school, like my sister is a fashion designer and she's been in the fashion industry for a long time. And I think go from high school, going into college, I think in my mind, I always thought I would like start a, uh, a fashion brand or like an apparel brand or a lifestyle brand. Um, I never thought about, I did think about food, but I always thought about food as kind of like a branch of that. Like my sister and I had this idea, which exists nowadays everywhere. was like, let's get a place that looks like a house, you know, and like you sell everything in it is for sale. Like, you know, the clothes, the records, like, all the homeware and all that stuff. And then there's a, the kitchen is actually a restaurant, like a noodle bar that you could like sit at and it will serve mom noodles, mom's noodles at it. So, you know, early on, like food was always a part of that plan. Um, but we just never really knew, you know, we built like a loose deck, like just to like get our wheels turning and everything. But I never really knew what that business would be until I actually started like working in the industry I was and I started becoming a little jaded by it and I felt like I needed a passion project to like go home to and like exercise my own skills on and like have free reign on creative and that's that's when I when I was at insight actually when I was at insight I started a business plan at home that was based off of my mom's uh, food and I just felt like it was a good exercise to go home to to like to just like go home, work on my own thing, learn how to build a business plan. And that thing kind of just, I would touch on it every time I had a little time and I I was kind of bored. I'd be like, Oh, I'll revisit that. And I would tweak it here and there. And slowly, but surely it became a (laughs) pop-up. That concept became a pop-up and then it, it slowly became a brick and mortar, which is pretty interesting. My mom like would always say like, Oh, I wish I, having a restaurant would be a dream of mine. Like Mm. just having a kitchen where I could like make food for people and go outside and see how they're doing. Like that was always like her dream, but she never thought it would be a reality. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I kept that in mind as well. I was like, this is, this is like my mom's food for sure. Like if I ever opened anything, it would be my mom's food. Uh, Something I learned when I was just looking into you and your story, right. And the wound story was you touched on it and how it transitioned into a pop-up. 
And I know you host a lot of pop buzz and, and now it was beginning to make sense as to why you do host a lot of them is because you used to be a pop-up for like four years. I, I saw. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we, we started as a pop-up in 2014. Um, and like I said, it was, it was like a random opportunity that came up and I had been working on dabbling with the idea of selling my mom's food in some type, some way or form. And uh, my uncle was hosting a, like an art fair, craft fair called Parachute Market at his showroom. He, he's, he's like a huge antique dealer in LA. And uh, they were looking for food vendors. My cousin was, she, she, ran, she runs all the events for him. And she, at that time, Gorilla Tacos was just starting. They were just a food truck. And she's like, I had this thing called Gorilla Tacos. I don't think people are going to be like that into it. Like, can you think of any other food vendors? I was like, why don't you give us a chance? And she's like, she's like, you have one month. I was like, all right, let's do this. And went straight into like branding mode with zero budget. And my sister and I and my family got together and we, you know, we all came up with a name. We came up with a logo. My sister designed some aprons and got her like coworker to actually sew them. My best friend at the time, Peter Wilday, he, he built us a cart. Um, which we still use today for pop-ups. Um, and I just had a checklist of like restaurant equipment I think we would need. And, and we just, I just like invested, you know, whatever money I had into it, bought a bunch of stuff, used my dad's minivan. And, you know, my mom and I just like figured out how to prep for it. And we sold out both days. And it kind of like, I think that that first event, you know, people showed up and they're like, where's your restaurant? Like, do you have a card? Like everyone was asking, like, this is so cute, like blah, blah, blah. And that's when we realized like, oh, like, I guess it could work if we wanted it to. And, and we started to understand that if, if you put all the pieces together correctly, like people do appreciate it. You know, they don't, it's not always just about food, although the food does have to be good. I think there's other parts of the puzzle that kind of help um, put the story together. And I think that pop-up was an exercise for us or for me specifically, like on, you know, honing in on those other things and making and, and creating, a like, a, a story and a following. And that was the whole plan with it was, you know, we all worked full time. We needed a passion project. Me specifically really needed one. And you know, I put in a lot of my own money and a lot of time to do those pop-ups and my family did too. I would like rally them together and be like, can you do this day on this weekend and this month? And they'd be like, yes, yes, let's take a vacation day. And then we'd rally together. We'd hop in this van that I bought and we'd go to the event. We'd set up, cook till like midnight, break down. And then uh, the next day I would wash all the dishes and go back down to San Diego and work my you know, nine to five jobs. So it was definitely like a, a passion, a labor of love, a passion project. And my, I had no end goal in sight. My whole thing was just like, this is fun. It's paying for itself. Maybe someday it could become something. And if it was going to become something, at least I could build a following now and, and trans transition it into something bigger. Was it, was it called wound at the time? It was. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Wound means bowl in Cantonese. And I remember when 
we were brainstorming the name. I emailed uh-huh. my mom and my sister, and I was like, I want it to be something that sounds Chinese, mm-hmm. but can be easily said in English. Mm-hmm. But it ha- but it has to be short. Like it has to be um, even on both sides, like the same amount of letters on both sides, so it's symmetrical, and um, and it has to be one syllable. Because at that time we had started that other, I was, we were branding that that brand Visla. It's called that surf brand, and these are the things that we like. I learned from that is like, you know, it's just these weird subliminal things that people think about that don't think about. And I remember writing. I was like, okay, what is bowl? How do you say bowl in Chinese? Because we're eating noodles out of a bowl. Mm. And, I, and then I was like, woon. And then I sent it to my sister and my mom, and they're like, that sounds good. And I was like, it does sound good. Checked all like the trademarks and it didn't exist. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Because <laughs> I think it just, you know, it's just one of those things that's easy to say and, and it, it sounds Asian and, um, and it has a meaning. Yeah. So this Instagram account that you have right now that you, you still personally, you know, use, it, it's the same one from the podcast. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible, yeah. man. Yeah. It's, it's always been Wound Kitchen. Hey, so honestly, for the rest of the time that we have together, I, I you mentioned how there's different parts of the puzzle when it comes to a restaurant that is more than just the food. So I don't really want to spend too much time on the food because personally, you, anyone can just visit you and, and eat your food, you know, and experience it. And I, as someone who's been in this industry and but not on the food side, I I also too believe it's so much more than the food. Right. Mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit about the space you have now, which is your finally wound has a home. Uh, yep. it, 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 was it a home? It, the, even the building is really fascinating. I want to hear the story there. I found <laughs> this space. So, so kind of random, you know, I, I love yeah. it, but it's like very quirky. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the motif or the theme, like when you were designing the space. The search for a physical space was tricky, especially in L.A., um, it's, it's just so rare to find spaces. It took us about a year. Um, but where we are now is historic Filipino town, which at that time in 2018 is when we started searching. Um, you know, historic Filipino town was like, it, it wasn't really like on the map. I think Porridge and Puffs, there was word of like Porridge and Puffs going in there, but they hadn't even opened yet. Um, and I, I was living in Silver Lake at the time and I, I, I didn't even try looking in Silver Lake. Like I just knew it was right. just, it was gone. Um, I tried Echo Park. I really wanted to be in Highland Park because it was close to where I grew up. It was closer to like South Pasadena, San Marino area. And my family uh, lives in South Pasadena, mm-hmm. but Highland Park was getting blown up at the same time. And we were looking at places that bordered, um, the the parts of town that we wanted to be in and so you know lincoln park was in the mix at one point um but i was literally just googling like well i guess i should backtrack a little bit i think one important catalyst to ending up where we were is once we started searching for spaces we realized that finding like empty shells was not what we wanted like we wanted to take over existing restaurants and and there are a few reasons for that. One is I have never opened a restaurant before. So 
that's that leaves room for a lot of mistakes that could happen because you know I would have to design a kitchen I would have to design and I just didn't know what I needed at that point so I felt like that was pretty risky the investment was really high so high investment high risk just didn't seem right to me unless it was the right partner and and the first space we almost signed was actually where Combi is now um, um and you know they're they're a big developer and they what they do is, you know, they, they present you an empty shell and they say, hey, we'll give you some money to build it out because we're investing in it too. But at the same time, I just felt like I didn't feel comfortable enough to get right. into a deal like that. So what I started doing was searching like existing restaurants that were trying to sell their business. And um, most businesses don't list it. A lot of people do it off market. But this, this space actually came up early on in the search. Um, it used to be called the hungry pig, but I had, I was looking at photos and I was just like, this place is, it's too far gone. Like there's no way I could fix this place up. So I didn't think anything of it. And they were asking a very high price to take over the restaurant. So I just ignored it. And then like, I think it had to be like maybe almost six months later after like feeling pretty defeated on, on other deals that fell through, this one came up again. And I was like, maybe I'll just go take a look at it. And it's been on the market for a long time. So it must, you know, they must be willing to to go down in price. And sure enough, you know, I took a look at it. I was like, this place is pretty nasty, but I think I could turn it around with enough blood, sweat and tears. And um, we, you know, we put in an offer and to take over the business, not the building. Um, and, and it worked out and it checked all the boxes that I wanted. So the boxes were like, an outdoor space. They have a patio, um, beer and wine and, um, and, uh, a hood. And then also, um, like the potential to just like visibility. Um, the only box it didn't check was like its location, but I felt like, I felt like if wound was good enough, then we could draw people there. And I've always been like a believer of like, of like building our own identity this place was standalone. And I felt like it was an opportunity to build our own kind of identity, our own vibe. And sure enough, it, it worked out, you know, so signed the lease in 2018, we had like three months to, to open up. And I was in there by myself every day with my friends who all helped out and spent, you know, every single day in there, just meeting the, the neighbors, meeting the neighborhood, um, building the place out. And um, I think that was really valuable because I was able to meet, like I was able to meet the community right away. And they saw that I was putting in the work every day. Um, and I wasn't just hiring a bunch of contractors to you know, expensive developers to do stuff for me. And and that's when we, I kind of started building relationships with a lot of the community. And, you know, like right now we, we employ um, three people that live on the street that Woon is at. Awesome. And, yeah. And they, they've worked there since we've opened. Um, so it's, it's pretty rad. I think having that, that opportunity to like be there and, and, kind of immerse myself in what I was getting into. But in terms of like, you know, aesthetics and like converting the place into what I wanted it to be, I knew that I always wanted a place that like felt like it was homey and um, 
it, it could feel like it's part of a neighborhood, you know? Um, and I, th I think it had a lot of potential for that because if, you know, Temple is a really busy street and there's like a body shop next to us. But if you go down the street on Reno and you walk a little into the neighborhoods, it's, it's really quiet and quaint. And I felt like that, that was an opportunity to kind of like, kind of immerse ourselves into that environment, like still, still feel, you know, quaint and, 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 and like kind of homey. And of course that's part of our story, right. Is like, we wanted people to come into our home and that that's still the story I tell our staff is like, always remember, like, these are our guests in our home. So when it came to the design of it, it was a lot of like, what was in my house, what was in my mom's house and um, what I would want in my ideal house, you know, like all the furniture, all the furniture in my house is very similar to what's there. All the um, more traditional furniture, more Eastern um, antiques are like from my uncle who, who has an antique shop and they're all originals um, that I stole from my mom's house. Like a lot of the cabinetry and stuff, those are all my mom's. I took them from her house. Um, <laughs> and like all the, all the trinkets and everything, that's all like feng shui that my mom is really into. So they all serve a purpose. What we wanted it to be, right, is like you're, you're stepping into my mom's home and, and we're just kind of there to, to help you out if you need it. And I think that's, that's one thing I always try and instill in our staff is like, you know, don't be overbearing. We're not like a, we're not a full service fine dining restaurant, but we want to be helpful whenever we, whenever people need help. And I think that's, it's a tough balance. I think that balance is what we try and achieve throughout Woon all the time is like the mix between like traditional and contemporary, but also um, the mix between like being approachable and, and, and like having high quality service and same with the food is like, you know, the balance of like accessible food versus like something crazy. I want to touch on just, you know, how you always wanted to build a brand. Like, how do you, how do you do that with a restaurant? And, and I, first of all, I love your approach. I just feel like the way you look at wound is not, it's not really a restaurant, right? To be honest, that's just not how you view it. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it obviously is a restaurant. Um, I see Woon. I mean, I, I, so the four wall, like I see Woon as essentially a flagship for, okay. for, for the brand. Um, what I always say is like my, my ideal goal is like, how do I get Woon outside of these four walls? Like I knew that I wanted the Woon, the physical restaurant mm -hmm. to to be everyone's first experience. So I want people to come and like, I want to, I want to introduce the people that aren't exposed to, you know, home style Chinese food to home style Chinese food. So we get a lot of those customers, you know, through the immediate area of like Silver Lake, Echo Park. And, and, you know, uh, we're, I feel like we're essentially like a gateway into what can be a lot more in terms of discovering like mm -hmm. Chinese food. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Like a lot of people, people that come from San Gabriel Valley, like talk shit on it. Like, Hey, this is not real Chinese food. Like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's not our intention. Right. Like right. I didn't intend for you to drive from San Gabriel Valley to wound to, to like try and get a better experience. Like that's not what it is. Like my whole intention is to like introduce people to what my upbringing and you can kind of interpret it how you want, but at least maybe it'll encourage those people to discover San Gabriel Valley, 
Mm-hmm. Like that, I think that's the simplest way to put it. Mm-hmm. And then I think Wuhan also serves the purpose of like, it's a reflection of my identity and my upbringing and this crossroads of like Asian American meeting, like, you know, a very like, um, I don't know, like I, I was like, a, I was, a, I'm going to say it like a whitewashed kid growing up. And now I'm kind of like trying to go back to my, my Be roots. Clean. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and what I've discovered through opening this place is that a lot of the customers, the younger customers are feeling that way too. They're like, I found my place. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm at where I grew up. And mm-hmm. a lot of the younger Asian Americans, you know, I've, I've made a lot of friends with our customers who identify with Woon. And I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And that's just with Woon, the physical space. But I want to bring that experience to everyone outside of the four walls so i kind of see it as like okay where are those opportunities to share that story and to share that connection with with the same type of people but outside of just this vicinity and i think the only ways to do that is you know a that i think the most obvious thing is like through marketing and through storytelling which is what we try and do you know i've had less time to do that i've had less time to do that but you know, creating little fun videos and, and content that like people can like enjoy and, and identify with and kind of hear our story and learn more about us and become more exposed to what this Asian American um, life is. And then I think the other way to do that is, um, you know, the most obvious way would be to wound number two, right? Like a physical location elsewhere to where you can, you know, share it with those people and you know that's obviously part of the plans but just trying to be patient with that and then i think that the other way is what we're trying to expand now too is our our packaged goods business and and what i like to see is you know the other branding opportunity or the other branding vertical which is our sauces our dry goods and our merchandise um which has grown tremendously in the last year or two yeah um, probably you know, in large part due to COVID, that was always part of the plan. And it just kind of got fast forwarded. Um, But, you know, I think that's, that's one of the biggest opportunities to share that story and share that connection is through that, those, those home style goods, as we call it. I don't think I touched on it earlier, but the the reason why I left, you know, my past life in marketing and, and that industry is because I, I stopped like believing in what, in what we were doing. Hmm. Um, I felt like it was a constant like cycle of like, let's create a story that doesn't exist to sell this product. Mm-hmm. So it was constant, like, let's make up a story. Let's create it. Let's market it to sell the product. Whereas like, I was really all about like authenticity and like, I just want to tell a real story and I just want it to sell for itself. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, that's kind of what wound was is like, I don't have to lie about anything. I don't have to like pull anything out of a hat i can just tell it how it is and um you know if you you could take it or leave it but at least i feel better about um being able to you know share stories that like are real um the genuine like you're talking just talking about like authenticity as a brand and as of who you are you know it 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 shows yeah exactly like i guess a good example is like i'm like damn it'd be sick to like make candles because I need a new candle in my house. And it was like, I hit up Cindy from special interest goods and we're like, she's like, yeah, I'm down. I'm like sick. Let's, let's make candles. You know what I mean? Like it's just a lot easier that way. And, and um, 
you know, a lot of people are like, why don't you like, why don't you make like a, like a, a beer koozie or something? I'm like, I, cause I don't really, I don't really care for that. <laughs> Although it would, maybe it would sell and maybe people would love it, but I'm just like, I, I don't really need that right now. Maybe but, down I, the road I would do it, but yeah. so it, that's kind of how my decisions are. But that's, that's like your litmus test. It's like personally, if you need it or not. And yeah. And, but I'm happy you made that distinction in storytelling because a lot of people think that storytelling is creating a story out of like nothing <laughs> sometimes. Out of thin air. Yeah. 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 But, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I will say that from the outside looking in, it, it does feel that you're enjoying what you do. Uh, I love the Sunday iPhone, like photo drops and dumps. And those yeah. are amazing. Like you've created like this kind of, wound universe you know like i expect it now i'm like okay Monday, <laughs> i'm looking forward to these iphone photos oh thanks thanks man. you know so i love how you built in these things and um the wednesdays where you get the discounts yeah. i mean it's I, I look to you a lot for for a lot of inspiration and that's something i just want to say over the air i think you're doing a terrific job with just like hyping up your own place because that's what that's what everyone should be doing right you're just like your own hype man in, in a way yeah yeah oh i, I appreciate that I appreciate you giving space to other pop-ups too. Like that is something I think is more rational to do. It's become a whole, like I can honestly have a, a whole team surrounding managing these pop-ups. It's a lot of work. Uh, we're doing it all ourselves, but you know, at the end of the day, I mean, we're booked out. We were booked out until uh, October, wow. like two months ago for pop-ups at Wuhan. And then we filled in all those spaces with other pop-ups that we're doing. Like this weekend, we're doing two. And, you know, those weren't even part of the calendar. So I think it's just become this thing. Um, but, you know, that's how we got started. And I wanted to return the favor. And that's it's kind of like, that's how, and especially now out of COVID, there's so many pop-ups that, that need a, a platform. And, um it's also a good way for us to change it up, although it, it does make us work more. Um, <laughs> it's getting like to the point where it's like, okay, maybe we should like pace ourselves a little bit, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I got to remind myself like the, there's a reason why we're doing it. And it's, and what it is, it's opening up, you know, the community um, to be a part of, be a part of Loon and also like, you know, allowing other other people outside of our community to like share their stuff with our community. So it goes both ways and they're, they're always super fun and exciting. And um, yeah, I, I really like doing them again. Really, really love what you're doing. I love how you're building wound. I think there's a lot of intention and intention and just genuineness behind the brand. And I can see that you're enjoying it and, and that's how it comes off, you know? And so thanks dude. Yeah, I love what you're doing, man. And hopefully more people get to know about you and now your story and get a chance to visit your restaurant too. Um, so thanks so much for spending this Thursday afternoon with me. And I know you got a lot going on as well with the, with the newborn, but uh, again, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Weekly Welcome. This actually marks kind of a, a small pause for the programming and podcast. Um, we are going to go on a little hiatus as we finish up our Baker's Box project. And if you don't know about Baker's Box, um, there's more information available on their website at withwarmwelcome.com. But we've been traveling every month to a new city here in the U.S. And also we're going to Canada in the next few months. 
where we carry 18 Asian American home and professional bakers across the country. And so we're going to be committing a lot more time to that project as we finish up this year. So um, if you aren't following along, please do. If you are living in any of the cities that we'll be visiting, uh, I'd love to hear from you as well. So really appreciate everyone tuning into the podcast thus far. And um, hopefully I'll be able to see you again. Thanks so much.